Herbal Essences is on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. We all know that winter can leave our hair feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and hemp shampoo and conditioner and argan oil and aloe hair mist work together to hydrate and moisturize hair for fantastic frizz control. Not to mention, Herbal Essence's sustainably harvest potent aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. Look for the Herbal Essence's potent aloe collections green bottles at food and drugstores or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Courtney, I am honored to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm honored to be here. I'm doing so great, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. So before we dive into our conversation, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. Well, I guess the easiest way to explain it, I'm a multidisciplinary artist. I have an illustration background and I'm also a tattooer in Portland, Oregon, and I specialize in all things nature related. Your art just blows my mind. Every time I see it, I'm like, how is this art and how is this not a part of nature in the world? It is magnificent. Would love to learn a little more about how art shaped your identity as an individual and when you got into being an artist and how your offerings have just grown and your talent has grown over time. Oh, thank you so much. It's always, you know, super flattering to hear that folks resonate with my work or my work resonates with folks because being an artist has always been like probably the most core part of who I am as a person. I've always had this drive to create, you know, as long as I can remember ever since I was old enough to hold a pencil, I was always drawing. Like my grandma had this little crayon drawing I did when I was like two or three hung over her bed for her whole life. It's just always been the thing that I want to do more than any other thing. And it's kind of hard to explain, you know, what it really is that drives it. But I love creating. I love the process. It's really kind of a practice that is meditative for me, right? And I think that's something that really draws me to the natural world is because it's a way to slow down and quiet the mind and focus on what's real and what's right in front of us. It's really a very, very detailed exercise in gratitude and mindfulness. And it's always been a really integral way for me to kind of stay grounded in a way. So, (laughs) you know, no pun intended, given that everything I draw is from the ground. I absolutely love that. I love how you said your art is a form of meditation. Let's dive a little deeper into that. So just how journaling has been kind of my escape. Let's talk about how art has crafted this pathway for you. How does art and your drawing in particular really manifest in your life as a process of meditation? 
tattooation practice. And then we'll shift gears to you becoming a tattoo artist. And that is just a whole nother level of talent and spectacular artwork that you're offering the world. So how does your art ground you and help you return home to yourself? dare I ask? You know, that's a really good way to put it. I don't do it so much anymore, but I used to also turn to writing as kind of an outlet when I was a little bit younger and, you know, more in that phase of like self-discovery in life. And I think the two really do have a lot in common. The way that writing kind of has you organize your thoughts, drawing something, and it's something from life, right? Like drawing from life is a different experience than drawing something that you've created in your brain. And what I really like about drawing from life is that it forces you to really be in the moment. It forces you to focus on nothing but what's in front of you. And it becomes almost like a dance. You're being hyper vigilant and hyper observant about the way that every leaf folds and the way every petal curls. And you start to notice very minute things like how the petals unfurl further, like the longer you sit there with it, drawing it. And as you kind of get into this state of being hyper vigilant and being hyper aware, it helps you turn that same kind of non judgmental but very focused eye on yourself as well. It's very much like writing in that way. When you are collecting, foraging your compost, your flowers, your things, your life, what is that process like for you? Are you going out in nature? Are you getting your flowers from flower shops? How is that showing up in the work that you do? And as you're picking different things from nature to put on the page, what is foraging, you know, teaching you and how is it showing you how to show up mindfully? That's a really interesting question and one that, you know, has evolved over time. I've always enjoyed drawing from life, but I really kind of began doing it as like a daily practice, maybe like four or five years ago. And at that time, I lived in a tiny little apartment, one bedroom, third floor, concrete jungle. I like north facing into the alley. Like, but thankfully, you know, we live in a city that does have a lot of green space and it would become kind of a part of my daily ritual to like go out in the neighborhood and just get to know the plants around me. Like it kind of started as a way to, to get to know what's around you. And that was a way that I kind of coped with being in a place that didn't really have a lot. Um, you know, I didn't have a backyard that I could go sit and have some tea in or anything like that. But I could take a walk down the street and visit the old oak tree that I really like. And I could walk a little bit in the other direction and visit the camellia bush that I know has the really cool variegation. In a time in my life when we were kind of moving around a lot and there was a lot of uncertainty, that was a really grounding practice too. So that's kind of how it began. But of course, let it be known to all of the listeners out there, do not go into random people's yards and cut stuff. Generally frowned upon out in the world. Um, And, you know, I would try to focus on like public spaces, but also keeping in mind 
kind of the ethos around like wild harvesting, right? To take so much of the plant that it impedes the plant's ability to continue to propagate or to continue to photosynthesize. You only want to take a small little bit, this, that, and the other. And then it got to the point where I was doing it so much that I felt really bad wild harvesting at all. I signed up for a community garden and started growing my own. And now a lot of my plants are cultivated. It started in my little community garden and now I have a teeny little little urban yard to call my own and the whole thing is just chock full of drawing material. Herbal Essences believes in plant-based beauty. Their potent aloe collections are sulfate-free and paraben-free and instead infused with real botanicals with the indulgent scents you know and love. They are on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. We all know that winter can leave our curls feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and mango shampoo, conditioner, and curl cream work together to hydrate for moisturized, defined, and long-lasting curls. Herbal Essences Sustainably Harvest Potent Aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. Sound intriguing? Look for the Herbal Essences Potent Aloe Collections Green Bottle at food, drugstores, or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. That is absolutely phenomenal. I was going to ask if you had started your own garden yet, and you have, and wow, I'm just blown away. I can imagine that that requires a lot of patience as you wait for the plants to grow. So how does the waiting play a part in your process as an artist? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. And one that has been at the forefront of my mind this year, because it's March, we're coming off of the winter season where there's like maybe not a ton of stuff outside. And it totally is cyclical. I've noticed, you know, now that I've been doing this for a few years, that my inspiration kind of waxes and wanes, which is really cool because you'll, I don't know if you've been able to tell or not, but grounding is kind of a central theme in why I do what I do. Getting in touch with those natural cycles is a really grounding process, but it is very different than kind of what we've been conditioned to do as humans, right? Like we live in a capitalist society where we're taught that this is what work looks like. It's between these hours every single day, all year round. And when your work is kind of living and breathing with the cycle of nature, that's not necessarily true. There is a season of growth. There's a season where everything is just in its peak. There's a waning season and then there is a season where most life around you is dormant. And it's been a really, really fun journey to try to kind of hone my own creative process to align with those seasons, right? Where you're spending the spring and the summer and the fall just being super inspired by what's around you and going out and collecting and kind of making a game out of it, right? Like you'll find, you know, this one rose that's in this like really perfect early stage of bloom that only happens at like a certain time in the morning during a certain time of year. The same thing, you know, kind of happens in the fall. And following those growth and death cycles is super central 
myself to my art and always has been. But what to do with yourself during the dormant season has been a really interesting challenge over the last couple of years. And I think I've come to really enjoy that time, actually, because it's a time when you can really, like the plants are doing, right? You can really just root down, be quiet, let what happened last year kind of compost away and clear space for what's coming next and learn to rest a little bit and be okay with that. Shifting gears a bit and exploring how you got into tattooing, what was your inspiration for becoming a tattoo artist and taking what you were putting on your sketchbook pages onto skin? It's epic that people are walking around with your art until their last days. It's totally epic. And sometimes even like when I'm tattooing, I'll have this almost out of body experience where I'm like, girl, you are drawing on someone's skin right now, just like a page out of a book and you're just zipping through it and they're going to see every line you do every day for the rest of their life. It's absolutely wild. But it is something, you know, that I have always been really weirdly drawn to. One of my earliest memories actually is of noticing someone's tattoo. I was maybe like three or four, I don't know, however old you are when your brain is capable of formulating memories. Distinctly remember being out with my mom and I saw this lady who had a tattoo of a vine wrapping around her wrist and like little baby Courtney was just taken aback. And I was like, oh my God, that lives in her skin. What is happening? It was just this like otherworldly, just magical experience where it dawned on me that like that's a part of that person which is something that I think I'm still really trying to internalize fully. <laughs> the ability to change your outward appearance in a way that you kind of have control over and to almost have the power to like etch a spell into your skin with intention and with the right kind of love surrounding it is an immensely powerful and transformative thing. And I think that I was always really in love with that. I started getting tattooed as soon as I could. I was always really in love with it. I always loved my tattoos, you know, despite I grew up in the South, you know, my grandma's favorite topic around the kitchen table on Sundays was tattoos are awful. Why would you ever do that to that perfect body that God made for you? But just that process and how magical and transformative it can be always was very powerful and very compelling to me. Getting into tattooing, it's a weird thing. And every tattoo artist that you ask will say, don't do what I did. <laughs> so in the state of Oregon, you have to go to school to get your tattooing license. So that's how I obtained my license, I suppose. But really, I've learned, and that's where you learn, you know, how to sanitize your station and how not to give everyone tuberculosis, which is great. And you need to know those things. <laughs> Most of what I've learned about the practice itself and, you know, the art behind it and kind of the lasting transformative effect that it can have on people I've learned through other tattooers over the years. And it hasn't necessarily been quite as structured as like a traditional apprenticeship might have been, but I've had the privilege of getting to know so many amazing tattooers and just picking up, you know, bits of their wisdom and their experience. And that's really been key to kind of the process of rounding out my knowledge of tattooing as a practice, which I certainly don't feel as though I've mastered at this point in my career. If anyone feels like they've mastered tattooing, they've barely scratched the surface. 
it's been an interesting journey. And, you know, looking back, I'm glad that the drive to be a part of this magical transformation for folks, that for me was more overpowering than the stress of like, oh my God, you're putting this on someone's body. (laughs) And I'm really glad that it was because it is a stressful thing at the end of the day. But if you're practiced enough and you're confident enough in your work, then the technical aspect of it becomes less of an issue. I think that helped. What is that teaching you about community? Oh man, the tattooing community, there is nothing really like it that I know of. It's, I think the really interesting thing about tattooing is that it's such a free form industry. There are no rules about how people conduct themselves. Everybody, you know, kind of gets to do, interact with the people that they want to and do the kind of work that they want to, you know, within certain bounds. And that leads to some really, really awesome, incredible things. Unlike the capitalist businesses that we're so used to seeing, the tattooing community is so incredibly supportive. It is full of people who are just lifting each other up and helping each other out. And, you know, I see this meme going around all the time that somebody wrote on the side of the building and it's like, it says something like, I'm not interested in competing with anyone. I hope we all make it. And that really is in a nutshell what the tattooing community is like. Everyone is kind of on their own artistic journey. And as a general rule, folks aren't really competitive with each other. And they're very honest and it's it's led to some connections with other you know people that i guess i would call workers that i've never had in any other industry you know people end up being very genuine and very they're just so kind this industry has blown me away with how kind people are what does tattooing continue to teach you about conversation and community how are they linked together for you and how about for your clients when you're tattooing them what is it teaching you about you know just being there in the moment and having this experience this intimate experience with someone Oh, it's such an amazing exchange of energy. I'm so grateful that I get to do it every day. I've always been like a little bit of an intense person. And in in some areas of life, some people are like, you need to just chill out a little bit. I get to cross paths with all kinds of amazing people that I probably would never get to meet otherwise. And so every day you get to walk in, you get to you know, either catch up with somebody you've seen before or meet somebody new. And you have several hours of one-on-one time with them. And not only is it one-on-one time, but they're doing something that's mildly painful. And there's also this element of catharsis that happens, right? Like it's a transformative experience for the client and you get to kind of facilitate that. So I've had the privilege of getting to know in a very genuine way, so many people that I wouldn't have gotten to know before. And 
something that has been a bit of, you know, as a surprise to me in a really good way is generally how wonderfully open-minded and open-hearted and receptive people are to that experience. You know, pretty much every day folks are, they're excited. They're excited to get to know you. You're excited to get to know them. And every conversation is somehow different. I'm not going to do it because it's like a breach of privacy. How fun it would be to just have like a blog or a Twitter account of like cool stuff I've learned from my clients today because every single day I learn something new and it's such a unique privilege and I'm just so grateful that I get to do it. My clients are awesome. I sound like a broken record and I know that. When you're in charge of facilitating this transformative experience, you know, people may not always be able to verbalize what it is that they're trying to get out of it, but over time you kind of start to notice little things. It's helped me be more intentional, I guess getting back to what your question actually was. It's helped me be um, a little slower in an intentional way and a little bit more perceptive, kind of the way that I am when I'm drawing. It helps me slow down and put that attention into a person instead of just resorting to the same, you know, this is the rote structure of how a conversation goes. I'm going to say, hi, how was your weekend? Got any fun plans? Cool. Great. Have a good one. So I want to wrap up our conversation with self-care, of course. How are you harmonizing work and life and taking care of yourself? Oh, absolutely. And that's the wild thing about doing something creative as a career is that depending on how your mindset, you know, is doing on any given day, your Mm -hmm. work can feel like, you know, it can be stressful, it can be work, or it too can feel like self-care. So it's been a really interesting realization for me that self-care is more about learning, at this point is more about learning kind of how my own mind works and how to get in touch with that like mental place of like calm and open-heartedness. So, which is the most important thing, right? Like if I'm going to be drawing something on someone and it's going to be on them forever, I want to be on my A game. Like I absolutely refuse to do it. I need to make sure that I am in the right space, both mentally and physically. And that can take whatever form you want it to take. Like over the years, it has changed for me. It has manifested in the form of, I used to do a lot of yoga and I still do sometimes. And there are periods when that looks like taking time for yourself and just sitting down with a good book and disconnecting for a while and really just getting in touch with your own mind and body and seeing what it needs from day to day. Because there isn't always just a prescribed routine that you can go through and be like, ta-da, you're going to feel great at the end. It's a lot more of a process of trying to get to know what you need and being willing to give that to yourself. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.